It's time to talk sports. It's Hacksaw's Headlines, a panorama of the world of sports. Stories, comments, and opinions. Now, here's iconic sports talk show host Lee Hacksaw Hamilton and co-host John Riley. It's a Monday, and it's time to talk sports. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, and we welcome you to a special podcast with my co-host, John Riley. And, John, the topic on the table this day is San Diego State football. It's a crisis. It's an abyss. It is a huge problem. And all this on the week they're about to open the football season. You're an Aztec fan. Your response to what has happened as it relates to the university, the investigation, the rumors about a rape involving multiple football players at SDSU? I mean, it's it's a disgrace. Um, as a fan, I was talking with my wife about it, and, uh, you know, we were, we were talking about, like, you know, Tatis was a fool for what he got himself into, allegedly, uh, Matt Ariza, a criminal. And and seeing everything that's coming out of this program, um, it's it's a sad time when this should be a really special time for the Aztecs. Yeah, it has really taken the shine off the opening of the Aztec football season, and it's obviously stung, and uh, it's going to stain the football program. But that being said, the stadium is about to open. There will be a sellout crowd on Saturday afternoon for the University of Arizona. But today was a day like I have never experienced before, John, at San Diego State. This is the headline. It'll be discussed for a long period of time. They call the Monday press conference to talk about the opening of the football season. The athletic director, John David Wicker, was there. So was the head coach, Brady Hoke. They read a prepared statement about the structure of the investigation and what's going on. And then they expected us to just go talk about the new football stadium, the new season, the price (laughs) of hot dogs and parking. That was not going to happen. John, I've been doing press conferences in the major leagues since 1975 as a working member of the media. I have never experienced an angry press conference like I experienced at San Diego State. John David Wicker, the athletic director, and Brady Hoke, after eight questions, got up, stormed out, and refused to take any more questions and left really angry. We were really stunned. There were probably 15 of us in this season opening press briefing and I, I I was just taken back by how they acted did they really think there would be no follow-up questions whatsoever to the generic black and white statement that's ridiculous and lost in this whole conversation John and I like those guys I have great respect for the AD and this head coach but John lost in this whole equation this was a press conference with rolling cameras This is how they're going to be presented on TV for a long period of time this week on the newscasts and the sportscasts that these guys got up and stormed out. Were the questions fair? I think most of them were. Were there a couple of hostile questions? Yeah, there were a few people that insinuated university cover-up, football cover-up because they were having a 12-2 and season. I thought those questions were a little bit over the line. But for them to get up and walk away in anger was just absolutely stunning. I will say this, because I did go out and I followed them out as they stormed across the hallway (laughs) into the athletic department offices. And I told one of their athletic administrators, they need to come back. They need to sit here and talk to the media. They need to apologize. About 20 minutes later, they did come back. 
And they answered, J.D. Wicker answered a significant number of questions about the investigation, even though initially he had read the statement, we're not talking about it. And the head football coach then came back in and he was not given any other questions about the probe. He was given questions about San Diego State, Arizona, the stadium, etc. I've never experienced anything like that. And this is a guy who is in your face at press conferences asking the legitimate tough questions that have to be posed. And I, I myself was stunned. And I've, I've been in press conferences about auto accidents and drunk driving incidents and assaults and domestic abuse with players and players attacking the media. Uh, never been in anything like this. So. But, but this, is a, this is a national story. I mean, this isn't just San Diego. I mean, I've been see- seeing reports about Matter Rise on CNN. And so this is now going to be B-roll for a lot of these, not just local broadcasts, but national. Yeah, it is. It's unfortunate. They could have handled it better. You have to understand where you are in the environment you're in, John. These are live rolling cameras. Now everybody is going to have access to it. That being said, I I think in the big picture of things, I think they're hurt. I think they're really angry. Uh, This thing has dragged out. You know, and the reality is it's a structure of a police investigation. It is just not a civil lawsuit, which kind of brought everything to the forefront last Thursday. It's a criminal case. Severe damage to a high school senior. Football players implicated. A couple have already been removed from the program and the university. Superstar kicker released by the Buffalo Bills. His huge contract has been voided. So there are a lot of angles to the story, and we're going to talk about it on on this next podcast uh, very quickly. But before we get to the other questions, give the people who are watching on our live stream the information about how they can participate right at the tail end in a fans forum. Yeah, so we're, we're going to do the fans forum like we do at the end of every podcast episode where you can be a part of the podcast. You can ask Lee questions. Maybe you've got a hot take. If you're watching on Facebook or on YouTube, you can just type your comments in. Um, we'll see them on the chat line here on the screen and, and Lee will agree or disagree. Lee will have a reaction for you. So type them in, fill the chat line and we'll get back to you on that at the end of the show. Okay, let's uh, start the questions because we've got a wide variety of questions that we're going to try to cover in the next group of minutes here. Uh, This is a real hot-button story, obviously, in San Diego. It's an enormous story across the campus at San Diego State, and now it's taken on all types of implications nationwide. John, what do you want to talk about? Well, I mean, the bills, I mean, what what have they been doing? I mean, I I think I heard a story that they they released Ariza. The the team is – I mean, opening day is not too far away. What, what's going on in the Bills camp right now? Well, let me give you some background. The Bills are owned by the Pagula family of Western New York. They're philanthropists. Uh, Tom Pagula and his wife, Kim. Kim is very active in the Me Too movement. Kim is very active in women's rights, very active in charities in Western New York. They've really been quality owners of the Buffalo Bills. I think they were shocked. The organization, led by Sean McDermott, the head coach, and the general manager, Brandon Bain, had no idea a lawsuit was coming. They found out when everybody else found out on Thursday. Actually, they probably found out in the early hours before it was filed because the lawyer for the high school girl informed them, this is what is happening. You need to be aware of what Matariza is being accused of. They said they wanted to try to find the truth, John, 
what's behind the story. Well, they don't have a lot of time because they're getting ready for a football season. There was enormous outpouring of anger in western New York from Bills fans about the story. Uh, at the end of the day, they over a group of hours, they decided they could not ferret out all the information. That's when they decided they would go ahead and release Matt Ariza rather than go through all this uncertainty of, of what's happened, the rumors, the innuendos, the accusations, etc. They just did not have the power nor the time frame. They run a football team not to do an investigation. So they just decided to walk away from the player. We are told that the Bills were not told about Ariza being involved in this until July 31st. So they, they, they had an inkling that something had happened off the field with him. They went out and they called 7 to 10 other NFL teams that had interest in the draft in kickers. They asked other teams if these other teams, Tampa, Baltimore, Cleveland, had any knowledge of any off-the-field issues with Ariza. The other teams said absolutely not. Now, they met with Ariza at the Combine in Indianapolis. They met with him and interviewed him at San Diego State's Pro Day when he kicked here. And they had a third interview process. I mean, they do a lot of deep research on these guys. They had no knowledge whatsoever that anything like this was going to happen. Uh, they they got to the end of the line and decided we're cutting the cord. It cost Matt Ariza $3.8 million in his contract. It cost him over a quarter of a million dollars in guaranteed signing bonus money. Uh, there will probably be litigation through the union to get that signing bonus money paid back. Uh, but they're clear and free. You know, the question was asked, what happens to Ariza? If he clears his name of these allegations— and there's a lot of a lot of layers we're going to talk about him. But if he clears his name, he might have an opportunity to come back to the National Football League. It won't mm-hmm. be a week from Monday, I guarantee you that. It might not be six months from Monday. The NFL, I think, John, is under such enormous pressure to discipline players who step over the line. Well, they should. Whether it was Ray Rice, yeah. Kareem Hunt, where all this began, mm-hmm. to the latest scandal involving Deshaun Watson and the and the final outcome of the discipline against him. Now, the league has no right to do anything with Ariza at this point. But the minute he is charged because he signed a pro football contract, he then falls under their jurisdiction. Mm. So there may be sanctions coming down road for Matt Ariza, but Buffalo's hands were tied. There was enormous social pressure on Buffalo to rid yourself of this player. And that coach and that general manager sat and talked for an extended period of time. I'm led to believe about seven hours total and then reached the decision to cut Matt Ariza loose. So there's the answer to question number one. <laughs> what happened in Buffalo? Yeah, I mean, it's it's incredible because, you know, other other athletes still, they get a, they, they say they, if they're a quarterback, they might get a little more slack. But if it's a punter, maybe they're quick to cut the cord. Well, that that's fans speculating. I'm not going to go there. Uh, bad acts are bad acts, whether mm-hmm. it's done by a Pro Bowl player or it's done by the 53rd guy uh, on the roster. Now, there's a lot of fallout in the aftermath, aside from what happened earlier today when San Diego State's people walked out of the press conference in anger on campus. Uh, here's, here's the background at San Diego State that I, that I know of. The incident happened October 17th. We're led to believe by October 19th on social media, 
there are insinuations from another athlete that San Diego State football players had been involved in an incident with a, a woman. They didn't know at that point it was a high school woman or whether it was an actual co-ed, but it was really bad. That thing took on a life of its own on social media. Uh, immediately, San Diego State was made aware. They did not do anything. The police had been notified the day after the assault. They had taken over. San Diego State was told by the police not to conduct any interview, that this is a police matter off your campus. It was not in a dorm. It was not in a, in a university building. It was an off-campus apartment. It comes under the jurisdiction of the San Diego police. But these rumors were flying everywhere. And then Matt Arise's name wound up on social media that he might have been involved. Hmm. Somebody took that down after it went out there. A number of athletes went to the administration and expressed concern about an incident. Is it being investigated? Are female athletes and female co-eds on this campus safe because of what we're led to believe happened? Mm -hmm. So San Diego State at that point in time contacted and had interaction with the police, and they got the same message. This is a police matter. We're starting our own investigation. But that rumor was out there for a long period of time. Mm -hmm. In the middle of the winter, I heard Matt Arise's name linked to an wow, incident. that early. But could not report it, did Oof. not know what it was, <laughs> right, had no right. ability to actually right. go find out. But that was out there for a long period of time. So the dominoes started the fall, and San Diego State had to step away because of what the police department asked. Uh, and it's, when this lawsuit hit last, last Thursday, everything erupted on campus. All types of insinuations, cover-up, incompetence. I think that's rather unfair because it truly was a police matter. So that's where we are on campus. I think it's absolutely stunning. I think it's devastating. I think the key people on the athletic program feel really, really betrayed. But it was out of their control. They had nothing to do with it. But now they have been dragged, John, into the San Diego State abyss. Yeah, so I mean, it's it's just remarkable what's going on on campus. Like you say, that you know, there's a police investigation with the city. The university has to run their own investigation. They can't just turf it to the to the cops. Um, but let's talk a little bit about the team and, and Brady Hoke. I mean, he was at the press conference today. Um, what's what's going on with Brady? I think he's really bothered. He's a father of a daughter. J.D. Wicker's got kids. I think he's really distraught. You have to understand the culture of what they've done and how hard they've worked to make this a really good athletic program with quality leadership mm -hmm. and a lot of good kids. They have had very few problems in the last decade since Brady Hoke was hired, turned it over to Rocky Long, who then turned it back to Brady. Right. They've had virtually no problems whatsoever with athletes. They've had stupid stuff like drinking. Um, a positive marijuana test. Mm -hmm. There's never been a domestic abuse case in the decade long that I know of at San Diego State since those guys took over that program. They've run a good program with high standards, and they demand a lot. Um, I, I really think that they are quality people. I think they're honest people, uh, and I think they are just taken back. Brady Hoke got up and stormed out of the press conference today and glared at me because I was one of the ones that asked <laughs> tough questions that had to be asked. Well, good for you. Yeah. It's hard, though, when you're dealing with guys that you like and guys you think yeah. are friends that you have to deal with it. Mm -hmm. uh, 
he's he's got to you know make this program work, and he's going to make this program work. I mean, the the key component of the program, the kicker, has graduated and is gone. Uh, but there's a big fear, I think, because the tone of the questioning today. And I don't know what else is out there hidden under a table behind the curtain. <laughs> Big fear that there might have been other players involved aside from two linemen and the kicker. Were there other players? Is that going to come front and center? Remains to be seen. Uh, he didn't handle it really well, but to his credit, uh, Brady Hook came back after I made the request that those two guys come back to the press conference. He did come back uh, 20 minutes, half hour later, and answered a whole series of football-related questions. Um, J.D. Wicker, Brady Hoke, like Rocky Long, honorable people. And I I think that for them to be dragged into this and not be able to talk about it is, is really troublesome for them. But they're operating under the parameters of what the police department and now the Title IX investigation in mm-hmm. San Diego State that they've begun. They have to abide by the structure of those probes. Uh, is it going to be a good football season? Yeah, it's going to be a good football season. Uh, tough schedule. Uh, you know, they, they got Arizona dead in front of them. And then they got Utah in week three, which is going to be an enormously challenging game in Salt Lake City. And they have a, tough, a lot of tough road games at Boise, at Fresno State uh, to be played. But I think they're all stung by what has transpired at San Diego State. And they're walking through this for the first time ever, this type of scandal on this campus. Uh, so they're, they're going to have to make, make their team stick together and hope there's not something else out there. Well, I mean, this has got to be really hard for for Wicker, for Hoke, because to your point, they're honorable men. They're trying to run a, a solid ethical program, but they can't control the actions of the athletes when they're out off campus. And, you know, they can try to set a good example in the locker room, insist on discipline and character. But at some point, they have a lack of control here, and it makes it really hard for them in that press conference. John, this is not Baylor University. Art Bryles, 17 sexual assaults over a seven-year span, and Baylor did absolutely nothing. It cost the coach's career. Nobody will touch him. It cost the athletic director his career. Nobody wants to hire him. So let's separate as bad as this is on Montezuma Mesa from some of the other really bad scandals that we've had in college athletics. Uh, we go forward and we see. But, you know, there are a lot of other questions that we have to ask or I'm going to ask that we need to get answers as they pr- progress through this investigation. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that's what we want to get to is what 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 have we learned from the police department? Have they been sharing any of the uh uh, facts that they've been uncovering. None whatsoever. All they said was the complaint was filed. Investigation has begun. Uh, they completed their investigation 10 months, which is, to me is an extended period of time. I think there's a lot of he said, she said. I think it's a very complex case. They have completed the investigation. They have turned over the data to the district attorney's office. The district attorney is now going through the process of evaluating Interviews, facts, figures, timelines, DNA, which is critically important Mm -hmm. in this. And then the district attorney has to make the decision, do I file sexual assault? Do I file felony rape? What do I file? I thought maybe there might be a grand jury that is called in this case that might lead to an indictment, but I'm not sure that this type of crime falls under a grand jury's 
uh, umbrella. Uh, but the, the police have not said anything whatsoever aside from the generic statement. And they, they told the president of the university, finally, you are now allowed to start your own Title IX probe, mm. which involves interviews. And, mm-hmm. and I, <coughs> excuse me, I believe San Diego State has been given the documentation that the San Diego police have and that the district attorney has just to see, see where it goes. Well, I mean, my understanding is, is that the um, the victim in this case um, reported this the next day. I mean, so it's it it should the police have had ample notice. I mean, this apparently happened when 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 did this occur? It happened uh, October seventeenth. She reported to the police October eighteenth. October nineteenth, the police started their investigation and informed San Diego State. This probe belongs to us. You're not to do anything at this point in time. Now, there are questions as it relates to the the police probe also. Uh, In addition to all the interviews and all the testing that they've done, the woman's lawyer said that the high school girl made a diary Mm -hmm. the morning after the assault and put down in black and white her own timeline of what happened, what she suspected, et cetera, Mm -hmm. et cetera. She made it known to the police that she had this diary. The police never followed up on that at all, never questioned it, never read the diary, which is kind of surprising to me. Yeah. So that's, that's a, I think, one of the questions to the police department. Now, there are other questions. Let's talk about other people. Uh, a lot of conflicting statements here. The 17-year-old woman says that she told people she was 17 at that party and that she went to Grossmont High School. Other people are saying she boasted she was 18 and went to Grossmont College. That's a big issue as it relates to what she got involved in and what happened to her after she went to that party. Uh, She has insinuated, and maybe this shows up in the blood test, she has insinuated that not only was she inebriated and given alcohol at the party, but that she was fed drugs in the alcohol, in essence, that knocked her out. So that's that's an issue you yeah, only find yeah. out when they release uh, the toxicology uh, of this case. Um, but she, she got help immediately. She went to the police. It took five hours for the interview to take place. She went and had a rape test kit done at a hospital. The police set up an interview with Matt Ariza. And she was on one line. Ariza was on another. And they talked about what happened at that party. And Matt Ariza made a comment that, yes, we had sex. Matt Ariza also made a comment, you should be tested for disease because mm. I am being treated by for sexual transmittable disease. Wow. Wow. That's a shocker. Well, the, the police were involved in that phone call, right, where they, yes. co- they were coaching her. But they were trying to uncover, get some, get some facts as part of their investigation. But I think... He, at some, for, to some degree, I think some of the fans maybe initially might have tried to give Ariza the benefit of the doubt, maybe. But once he admitted it, I mean, there's no going back. Yeah, but there's a gray area here, and we can't judge what happened. The question and it, the statement that she made is that as she went to the party, she went to a side yard of the house, the apartment that Ariza lived in. And Ariza demanded one form of sex. She participated. They had another sexual encounter. She participated in that. We don't know whether it was consensual or whether it was forced. The relationship between Ariza 
and the high school student. But the, the point being made here is it did happen. They both admitted it happened. The question was, was it forced on her or did she just go ahead and accept what was going to happen? The reality is, if she's 17, consensual becomes statutory rape. Mm. So Arise has got a huge problem. Whether she agreed or not, she's got a huge problem with that. The second piece of the equation, she then said that Arise led her into the house, into his apartment, and then left and left her with multiple Aztec players who then, quote, gang raped her for 90 minutes, which is pre-planned. Did Ariza pre-plan delivering this woman to other players so they would abuse her? Or did she just wander in, he leave, and those players mm-hmm. jump her? So there's a ton of unanswered questions. There's a big gray area here, but it's sleazy. It's sleazy beyond belief. Mm-hmm. And when I first heard about it, and then when I, I read the documents, I mean, I was, I was so appalled that anybody would do that to another human being. Mm-hmm. And then really disgusted that who these players are and what this program has become, that anybody would do that to violate the woman and do that, I think, to betray the football program. So that's that's where we are with the people that are involved and the answers that we, we have to have going forward. And in terms of Matt Ariza, uh, I'm I'm disturbed that he would walk down this path with his life and his career. I don't know whether he's innocent or guilty. A judge, a jury will figure that out. But I I am bothered that this player, who has had all the benefits of being a scholarship athlete and has made himself a great kicker and, and wound up getting drafted and signed this big money contract, that he would ever do anything like this. And I'm equally bothered that he walked across that campus for 10 months with knowledge in his pocket of what he got himself involved in on October 17th. And then he then he makes the public statement, these stories are not true. I will tell you my story. But he can't tell the story now because it's under investigation. Mm-hmm. And he's been released. Um, it, it, to me, it's just absolutely stunning that a player who had everything in front of him would get involved in an incident like this knowing what's in front of him. And he lived a lie for 10 or 11 months on that campus. And everybody liked that kid. And everybody saluted that kid for what he made himself into. Mm -hmm. And now we find out that this kid got involved in this in some form or fashion. So uh, he really really comes out looking bad in this. Uh, It's going to be a a long period of time uh, before we get any outcome as it relates to a civil trial as it relates to criminal charges, which would then lead to another mm-hmm. trial. It'll be a while before we'll know whether Matt Ariza ever gets a chance to play pro football again or whether it winds up in prison. Uh, like I said, there's, there's, there's a big gray area. There's a bunch of he said, she said stuff that has to be worked out. I mean, you know, speaking for myself, as a, as a fan of the program, and you know, here, I, I live in the Poway Rancho Bernardo community. And so when Matt Ariza was you know, punting the ball 80 yards when Matt Ariza was this national celebrity as the punt god. And he went to school right down the street from me at Rancher Bernardo High. I was really proud. You know, it's like the local boy does good. I mean, it was pretty obvious he was going to have an opportunity in the NFL um, and, and likely be drafted, which means there's signing bonus money. Um, it's just 
it's just a down. It's just a a, a terrible shame. It's a downer. They, it totally. I mean, because we were so high on this young man, and now now we. I mean, now he's an alleged criminal here, um, and it, it's a disgrace on the program, and frankly, it reflects poorly on the entire San Diego community. Um, so, uh, you know, justice needs to be, uh, you know, needs to be had. The investigation needs to continue. Get all the facts on the table, and then they, you know, the justice system, the NFL, and the Aztecs football program have to step up and do the right thing. Well, I will tell you, going forward, um, we've we're now aware that San Diego State brought a counselor in just a couple of weeks after this alleged incident to meet with the players, and she is a counselor who was formerly at Oregon State who got assaulted by Oregon State players. Mm -hmm. She went into nursing and has become a rape victim advocate. Uh, Her name's Brenda Tracy. And she met for three hours with all the male athletes at San Diego State. I give the credit to the university and the athletic department for being fast forward and proactive to try to bring more information to made available to the players. Mm-hmm. But but that counselor met with those players for three hours and talked about every facet of relationships, young men towards women. And obviously tough conversations involving date rape and tough conversations involving homosexuality and conversation about drug use and domestic abuse. So she covered she covered the waterfront in terms of things that can happen and how you're supposed to handle those things. Well, the, the story that I, I read, the article in the paper was in the UT. I think it was it yesterday or today. And, you know, good on the university for bringing her in. But I think they brought her in pretty early on in the process when they had, you know, some of the initial news of the of the um, of the incident. But she was not fully aware because it was still behind closed doors. But apparently when she was on campus, she started to get a whiff, whispers that there was really something real behind all this. Well, I credit the university for really being proactive and going ahead with this. And I think now it'll become part of the university infrastructure of how they deal with their athletes on a year-by-year basis. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the, the whole bottom line is the athletic department prides itself in the quality of athletes and people they bring in. Like I said, it's been a program that's hardly had any difficulties at all. The grade point average is just absolutely phenomenal. What they've accomplished in football and basketball has been absolutely spectacular. Uh, but this, the, the, we are dealing with human beings. We're dealing with young men. We deal with somebody that stepped over the line and may have done something really, really bad. Mm-hmm. So I think in our closing comments, the only thing we can say is this this process will continue. The university will complete its Title IX. We'll see when the police uh, finally make public uh, the information. Uh, and obviously, it's it's a front door of the district attorney as to what they're going to do in terms of any type of uh, charges that are leveled here. And then we'll see whether we have a civil trial that involves a lawsuit or whether we have a criminal trial involving Areza. Uh The woman's family lawyer said early Monday today that Arisa's lawyer made a financial settlement offer, which mm. kind of stuns me because that was the same lawyer that made the comment last week that this is nothing more than a money grab. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes, but the family of the girl has indicated they do not want to settle this financially. They want justice brought for what happened to that girl at the hands of those football players, allegedly. So 
we're, we're looking, we're probably looking at some form of charges, and then we're looking at some form of trial, and whether or not the lawsuit actually goes forward remains to be seen. But, you know, the words that came to my mind were stain and dark. Mm. Uh, this is a real tough time for what San Diego State has to deal with, and it takes the shine off the start of a promising football season, yes. and it takes the shine to a degree off the opening of, of the new football stadium. But that being said, uh, as dark a cloud as this is, there will there will be better days ahead at San Diego State. And uh, I was I was so bothered by what happened at the Monday press conference when those people stormed out, and then I felt so good. Uh, when when they came back in and actually answered some more questions, I gave them all a thumbs up. I was they're leaving because I thought it was the right thing to do, the responsible thing to do, a classy thing to do. So mm-hmm. uh, going forward, we'll see where the story goes. But boy, the last ninety six hours in San Diego is just it's been so horrific to have to have to deal with that. Well, I mean, yeah, in the last ninety six hours. We've been getting the reports from the news. Uh, uh, you know, we, we got the press conference today, but social media has just been blowing up. I mean, everyone's got a comment. Everyone has something to share. Um, I saw the post in in Twitter when the Bills announced the release of Ariza. So um, the responses to that were unbelievable. Well, it's a different world we live in with social media. I don't know whether it's a fair or unfair world, but Twitter has just gone out of control. Uh, within hours after the lawsuit became public, uh, Buffalo Bills fans on Twitter were demanding uh, Ariza be removed from the organization, removed from the team. And they were chastising the coach, etc. And those people needed time. The Buffalo Bills organization needed time to try to find out what was going on, to find out the documentation in the lawsuit. But they had to find out because I found out very quickly. So uh, I, it just took them time to put things in order. But a piece of history here, and social media has changed everything in the world. You just can't react to everything just like that. Uh, Buffalo Bills have dealt with controversy before with employees. They had one of their key administrators involved in a toxic workplace thing. And they did their due diligence, and they jettisoned him out. And he's never gotten a job in the NFL since that point in time. So these, you know— that organization has been proactive in terms of protecting their employees and making a ter- determination of right versus wrong. But as, as we sit there, the, the, the skewering that the Buffalo Bills took and Matariza took in the early hours of this case has just been relentless and not stop. I don't know whether it's fair or not. Everybody's a citizen journalist now. Everybody's got an opinion, <laughs> good, bad, or out of touch. Yeah. Uh, but it's bad 96 hours so we close out our podcast with that's the data at san diego state what happened thursday what happened last october and what happened on monday we'll be back next thursday with our regular podcast we thank you for watching and participating for john riley this is lee hamilton thanks for being with us Join us again for Hacksaw's Headlines on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. And find the audio version on your favorite podcast app. Touchdown, San Diego! For more content, go to LeeHacksawHamilton.com. 